For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence. Sponsored by the CME Group. Dateline, Friday, August 17th, Chicago. Hello again, along with Max Armstrong, I'm Orion Samuelson, and our weekly visit to take a look at markets around the world from the stocks to the grain stocks and everything else in between. And once again this week, the trade conversation certainly played a role in the marketplace, both on Wall Street and in agriculture. But as we take a look at uh, the final trading day of the week, here's what happened. The S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average extended gains today. The NASDAQ turned positive on reports of progress in tariff disputes between the United States and its trading partners, China and Mexico. And a lot of conversation on trade this week taking place on progress on NAFTA negotiations. But China and the U.S. negotiators for the two countries planning talks to resolve their trade disagreement ahead of meetings in November. That report from the Wall Street Journal. And additionally, Mexico's economy minister, Guyardo said he hopes to wrap up outstanding bilateral issues on the North American Free Trade Agreement by the middle of next week. Stephen Masoka, Senior Vice President at Wedbush Securities in San Francisco, said the threat of a trade war threatens economic activity. And the fact that the administration might resolve trade disputes sooner rather than later without a sustained time frame of slower economic activity due to tariffs, well, that bodes well for the market. Trade-vulnerable industrial stocks led advances by the S&P 500 and the Dow. The S&P 500 industrial sector gaining about six-tenths of a percent. The sector was led higher by a two-and-a-third percent rise in Caterpillar shares. And for the week, the S&P and the Dow posted weekly gains, but the NASDAQ showed a loss for the same period. The Dow Jones Industrial Average for the day was up 110 points, ending the day and the week at 25,669. The S&P 500 up 9 points for the day to close the week at 28. 
8.50, and the NASDAQ composite added almost nine points to close at 78.16. Second quarter earnings report season approaching the finish line. And of the 467 companies in the S&P 500 that have reported, 79% have beaten the estimates of analysts and traders. But uh, as we take a look at today, there were some bleak forecasts in the chip maker industry. Shares of NVIDIA Corporation and Applied Materials fell 4.9% and 7.7% respectively. And among the so-called FANG group of momentum stocks, all but Apple fell. The maker of the smartphone gained 2% to an all-time closing high. Netflix posted its sixth consecutive loss today. In addition to Apple and Netflix, the Fang Group includes Facebook, Amazon, and Google Parent Alphabet. Tesla continued in the news today. Shares of Tesla down 9%. That's their worst day in over two years. After Chief Executive Elon Musk's interview with the New York Times and a UBS note saying the company could lose $6,000 on every base Model 3 sedan due to powertrain costs. Bucking the otherwise downbeat department store earnings trend, shares of Nordstrom up 13% today after posting better-than-expected same-store sales and raising its profit forecast. And we'll talk more about this in the last segment of our show, but Deer & Company shares up 2.5% after quarterly results missed analyst estimates due to higher raw materials and freight costs. But when we take a look at the Deer Company feeling about the agricultural economy, might surprise you just a little bit. Taking a look at oil, which is so vital to all industry and agriculture, crude oil prices rose today but declined on the week on worries that oversupply would weigh on the U.S. market, while trade disputes and slowing global economic growth would dampen demand for oil. One of the biggest concerns out there is that China's demand numbers are coming down. Brent crude oil futures up 40 cents for the day at $71.83 a barrel, and U.S. crude up 45 cents to uh, end the day at $65.91 a barrel. So now let's take a look ahead to next week um, at what we know and what we don't know, because there are always some price uh, surprises. But in the week ahead, Medtronic, the largest U.S. standalone device maker, I'm wearing one of their products, the uh, pacemaker, set to report first quarter earnings on Tuesday, likely benefit from growth in its top-selling cardiac and vascular unit. 
Lowe's companies expected to post an increase in second quarter revenue and comparable store sales on Wednesday, benefiting from a resurgent in demand for seasonal products. And Target Corporation expected to post a strong rise in second quarter sales and profit Wednesday as consumers continue to visit and spend at its stores in a strong U.S. economy. Next week's highlight of reports is the Commerce Department data on orders for durable goods. That's forecast to drop about eight-tenths of a percent in July, and excluding transport, durable goods likely to rise five-tenths of a percent. On Wednesday, the Mortgage Bankers Association scheduled to release its Mortgage Market Index and Mortgage Applications data for the week ending August 17th. And on the same day, the National Association of Realtors expected to report that existing home sales went up 1.2% to an annual rate of 5,400,000 units in July after unexpectedly slipping six-tenths of a percent the previous month. Thursday, Labor Department, of course, releases jobless claims data for the week ending August 18th. And separately, another report on housing. The Commerce Department will likely report that new home sales rose 2.5% to an annual rate of 645000 On Thursday, HP Inc. expected to report an increase in third quarter revenue, and Analog Devices Incorporated expected to report an increase in third quarter revenue on Wednesday. Department store operator Coles Corporation expected to report an increase in same-store sales and growth in second-quarter revenue on Tuesday, benefiting from its partnerships, especially with Amazon, to combat falling store traffic. And then there is the apparel industry. Higher sales of Old Navy and Banana Republic clothing expected to boost second quarter sales and profit for apparel retailer Gap, which reports results on Thursday. And apparel retailer Urban Outfitters expected to post an increase in second quarter profit and sales. And uh, then in the fragrance business, Cody Incorporated expected to report an increase in fourth quarter revenue helped by higher sales of luxury beauty products. And cosmetics maker Estee Lauder companies expected to report an increase in fourth, uh, fourth quarter sales helped by its growing strength of its business in China. So once again, although the earnings report season is coming to a close, it's still not over, and uh, we'll look forward to getting some of those results next week. And uh, then, of course, there's the U.S.-Japan trade talks scheduled for Wednesday and Thursday, the 22nd and the 23rd. And uh, what kind of an impact will that have on stocks and commodities? Well, we'll talk about the commodity situation as Max Armstrong this week sat down with Clayton Pope of Clayton Pope Commodities based in Champaign, Illinois. 
to uh, talk about and take a look at the agricultural trading situation that's coming up ahead of us as we really begin to move into early harvest season across the nation and even in the Midwest. Stay with us for that when we continue on the market, sponsored by the CME Group. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence. In the studio with us this weekend, Dennis Smith, Archer Financial Services. Dennis, let's talk about this livestock situation and begin by talking about hogs. And we're in kind of a long, dark tunnel here, it seems. Boy, we've seen some real weakness, in fact, historical-type weakness in the cash hog market. We're just now beginning to discover, it appears like through several slaughter disruptions, kind of starting around the 4th of July, there was a tornado in Iowa. There was uh, some some software upgrades by Smithfield. There was some other mechanical breakdowns. And when you're working with record large pork production, just a little bit of a backup in the slaughter pace. It seems like hogs were backed up. Weights have come up. We've got to get these hogs killed. We've got to get things current. And that has created a real mess here in the short term. And the producers, at least according to the June report, had not pulled in the reins on production. No, in fact, uh, it, unfortunately, uh, the the expansion is sort of accelerated. It appears like, Max, that producers making a decision to even expand production a little bit more and approximately about three months before this tariff situation hit. So the timing was really bad as far as accelerating the expansion of the hog breeding herd. We're still several weeks away from the September pig crop report. Will that show continued expansion, you think? Well, we're not sure. Now that with this uh, really hard down in the cash hog market, probably going to see signs of it tempering. I think uh, a year from now, we'll be talking about contraction. But the losses are piling up. In other words, the cost of production has to be significantly higher than the price right now, is it not? Yeah, break-evens vary by producer, but I don't think there's anyone that has a break-even low enough to make money at these prices. So we are sustaining industry-wide losses on hogs right now, yes. And this is even with cheap grain? Oh, I think so, most definitely. Well, now, let's talk about the what's happening in, in terms of exports and, and what the tariffs have meant to the export demand and what role that has played. How have you sorted that out, Dennis? Well, we are seeing a slowdown. I think that's pretty obvious, but I don't think it's quite as dramatic as expected. One reason I say that is pork is so cheap right now. China continues to import pork, U.S. pork. Now, their imports in June were down about 37% versus a year ago, but pork prices are so inexpensive right now, they can still pay the tariff, and they are importing pork at lower prices than what they were, say, a year ago. Mexico is doing the same thing with hams. Ham prices are incredibly cheap. What's happening is other countries are picking it up. They are eyeballing the tremendous value of U.S. pork, and we are seeing the 
the increases in other countries trying to stabilize the export situation. What countries are you talking about? We're talking about like Colombia and uh, Latin American countries, uh, South Korea, uh, even Japan. We're, we're seeing some real growth in some of these markets. Those are countries that many of us didn't think about as being pork exporters. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Colombia, for example, is becoming a very big piece of U.S. pork export business. Now, here's the question that I guess comes into my mind. As we look past eventually somewhere down the road past this trade war, will those countries still be firmly entrenched? I mean, I think about our soybean situation and the loss of market share that we are seeing. And will that come back to haunt us on down the road? What's your uh, feeling about that pork market share that we've enjoyed and the others are now proud to pick up. Yeah, it's hard to say for sure, but what I what I do know for sure is we offer extremely high quality pork product and a disease free environment, and I hope it stays that way. We've got some new situations developing. For example, in China, African swine fever has been detected for the first time. This is a problem in Russia, uh, other Baltic states. So I think we have the, the highest quality pork product in the world, and I. I think that will continue to serve our purpose and serve our benefit. African swine fever in China, that would hurt their hog herd and their ability to produce, one would think. Could that then provide opportunities for others to sell there? Well, it definitely will. One thing China does not do is export pork. They consume all that they raise. So it's not like uh, we, we're going to hurt an export uh, competitor, but uh, China is sitting on half of the world pig population. If that begins to spread in China, and let's hope it does not, then they've got a real problem. We do not want to see this spread in other countries in Asia either. This is the first time this has been detected in China, and they need to find out how it got there and then nip that in the bud. Switching gears a little bit, let's talk about the beef situation. Where are we now? What's happening here in the summer of 2018? Well, we kind of got a trading market or a range type market. We've had a tremendous demand surge in U.S. beef, and I'm talking both domestic demand as well as export demand. Recent export data, June beef exports were up 15% from a year ago. These are unheard of type numbers. Uh, Six-month data, January through June, beef exports this year up 9% compared to the six months of last year. So we're working through the so-called wall of cattle in very good fashion. In the very short term, it looks like we're beginning to stabilize, and we're kind of at the higher end of the range of trade. And the industry can handle that kind of a jump in exports. In other words, uh, the the processing capacity, the exporting capacity of the industry is there to meet that kind of increase in demand. You bet. The, the industry is more than ready and capable to continue to provide this type of product. And it's been a it's really bottomed out our cash steer market this summer, much higher than expected, which has been a real pleasant surprise. What's behind that kind of a gain? And is that kind of an increase sustainable over the months ahead through the rest? of this year, Dennis? Well, again, I think I think it is. Uh, is we have, uh, again, high-quality, disease-free product. Uh, the uh, If we can uh, stabilize uh, outside forces, meaning like the U.S. dollar, uh, if we can uh, keep beef out of the tariff free, so to speak, and let's hope that that remains the case, uh, I think you, we can continue to sustain a very strong export potential. So how are the producers themselves doing here? 
Well, it's questionable. It all depends upon the price of feeder cattle, and did you get them bought right? Uh, certainly, feed is is reasonable right now, and appears like it will be reasonable for the foreseeable future. But it's not it's not a real gravy train. Some guys are making money, some guys are not. It's really kind of on the on the line there of uh, of how well did you purchase your replacement animals. What's your price expectation then as you take a look at both beef and uh, the the pork side? First of all, for the cattle producers. Well, I think you're going to see the, the cash steer market stabilize here in the late summer. We're already into Labor Day demand. I think you see uh, cash prices pull back. But looking out in the next six months, I think you're going to see placements of cattle begin to taper off. We've had aggressive placements in the first half of the year. I think that's going to begin to slow down. And we begin to see a good, strong cash steer market develop in the uh, winter to say into the fourth quarter and first quarter of next year. That's not bad news. Why? What kind of prices you think about? I think uh, you can see the December futures and the December the, the cash market in the fourth quarter one twenty uh, versus the uh, you know one thirteen one fourteen area that we're looking at. Maybe even higher. There's a possibility you can get fourth quarter, early first quarter as high as one twenty five on that cash steer market. Hate to end on a downer, but what do you see for hogs? Hog market uh, is, is going to be a, just an awful challenge here going into the fall season. We do have the Packers gearing up. We've got second shifts coming into play. We've got a, a lot of product. The good news is uh, product is incredibly cheap. And the other part is uh, futures are already at a sharp discount. We have baked in an awful lot of bad news into the current futures market. So I, at this moment from these prices, not real bearish, but you, you're, you've got to look for some lower uh, cash hog prices into the say into the no- November uh, Thanksgiving time frame. Price range of what? Down into the to the cash hog prices into the forties, uh, uh, upper forties is certainly a possibility. Uh, it's it's not going to be a very good forecast. We appreciate it always the chance to visit with you, Dennis, and uh, your insight about what's going on in livestock and meats. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Dennis Smith with Archer Financial Services. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence. I talked earlier about some comments from Deer and Company as part of their earnings report this week. And I was a little surprised, and maybe some of you were too, because Deer and Company offered an optimistic forecast for the U.S. farm economy amid that escalating tariff war with China and other big trade partners as Deere's quarterly profit missed estimates on higher raw material and freight costs. Shares of the world's largest manufacturer of tractors and harvesting equipment erased early losses today to turn higher and ended up 2.5%. But with all the talk about the decline in perhaps agricultural commodity sales to foreign countries because of the trade disputes, the thought was farmers are not going to be buying as much farm equipment and other inputs as they might have because 
of the concern. But Deere & Company said it expects U.S. farm cash receipts in 2019 to be higher than this year, as strengthening demand for crops like corn, wheat, and cotton are seen offsetting soft demand for soybeans. Chief Financial Officer of Deere said, The situation right now is dynamic for the farmers, and this can change. We would anticipate the net returns per acre for major crop farmers, large ag customers, to be higher in 2019 than this year. Deere said the early orders for new farm machinery were up this year, despite the uncertainty over tariffs. And indeed, Deere's comments are in sharp contrast to recent industry surveys that show the trade war and depressed commodity prices are hurting farmer sentiment. The Moline, Illinois-based company did not change its full-year earnings forecast, banking on replacement demand for large agricultural equipment. So it'll be interesting to see how that projection on the part of a major farm equipment manufacturer will turn out to be. Meanwhile, meat companies uh, in the news this week because uh, Tyson won some defense contracts for beef worth a total of $726 million. The uh, company won a $440 million defense contract to provide fresh beef and frozen ground beef products to military commissaries in the central and eastern United States. And Tyson also won a separate $286 million contract to provide fresh beef and frozen ground beef products to commissaries in the U.S., Western, and Pacific regions. The two contracts will cover a 24-month period from 2018 to 2020 and with options could last through October 17th of 2023. And then another meat company in the news this week, Hormel Foods, selling its eastern Nebraska pork processing plant to a company owned by 220 farmers, and other ag producers. Hormel said late in the week that its workforce at the Fremont facility will remain in place after it completes the sale to Whole Stone Farms. The sales terms were not disclosed. The deal expected to be completed in December, and the plant produces spam, sausages, and other items. And under the sales agreement, the plan will continue to provide Hormel with pork. So a couple of moves by packing industries. Well, how did we end the week on the commodity world? Lean hogs have been making quite a recovery. As a matter of fact, the December lean hog contract gained $2.87 Today, ending the week at $55.27. August live cattle gained a dollar and a quarter today, ending at $109.42 a hundredweight. And August feeder cattle gained half a dollar, ending the week at $150.75. 
And then the grain market, strong performance today for wheat. The September wheat crop up 17 and three quarters. It'll start trading Monday at 560 and a half a bushel. On the other hand, September corn dropped just three quarters of a cent and December new crop the same. And we'll start trading September corn at 364 and a quarter on Monday. Soybeans up a penny in September at 881 and a half in today's trade. Well, as happens every week, we're out of time. But thank you for joining us and being part of our audience on The Markets, sponsored by the CME Group. years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence.